and welcome. My name is Amelia, otherwise known as DJ EJ, and this is Club Crime, a true crime broadcast recording live here at KTCU. How is everyone? Honestly, it's it was a weekend. It was definitely a long weekend. I just closed a show, um, feeling very tired, but very happy to be here. Like I say, this is always the highlight of my week to be here. Um, and last week we had a great episode. For those of you who have not listened, please go listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Club Crime Official. But without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Grace. Grace, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Grace. Um, I'm a theater major here at TCU, and I'm so excited to hear what you have to tell me today. I'm so excited you're here. <laughs> Do you have any like interest in club cr- or in crime? Like, what's your interest level in true crime? I always see those like uh, movie clips on TikTok, you know, <laughs> of like those like when they show fake uh, movie or not fake, but. Yeah. Like the movies with like Subway Surfer playing yes. in the <laughs> or like slime, <laughs> and I I watch those and I get very interested and then I have to watch all the parts. So all the I'm, parts, yeah. Of like this girl got murdered and now like exactly. Okay, I always watch those. So, but how are you today? How was your day? I'm good. I had one class today, mm. so I'm feeling energized. Just tap. Just I tapped away today. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Grace and I are very good friends. We are living together next yes. year, and we are in a tap class together. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Um, where most days we do not want to go to that tap it's class, so but fair, but we're doing but it's so fun. good. We have so good. What's our, um, our tap routine is to um, Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer um, made you look. Made you look. I was like Gucci on Gucci Louis Vuitton. <laughs> name of the song but are you ready to know um your guest duties for today i'm nervous okay (laughs) i'm going to tell you a true crime story it is your job to react ask questions add in your own personal anecdotes and just add to the story in any way that you want does that make sense yeah okay so you get a little bit of a special episode today because i have two stories for you Um, and you have to promise the listeners that I have not told you what the stories are. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. No idea. And I'm very intrigued. So Okay. So I'm not going to tell you what either of them are just yet, but I'm going to okay. let you choose. And I'm going to give you a little hints towards each one. Oh, okay. They're both historical. Okay. They both took place within 100 years of so each other. So these are real, right? These are real stories. Okay. Um, one of them is more women heavy and one of them is more <laughs> men heavy. Okay. So... So do you want the women one or do you want the men one? Do I want the good one or the bad one? <laughs> I mean, they're both pretty bad. <laughs> um, and both kind of involve men just being dumb. Oh, of course. You know how as it is. they are. But you know how it is. So um, let's say the women one. The then. women, women one for first. the win. All right. For your first story today, I'm going to tell you about the Salem witch trials. Mm. Sources for tonight's story include Smithsonian Magazine, HistoryChannel.com, the First Amendment Encyclopedia, and our favorite, Wikipedia. Ooh. We all love her. Gotta love her. All right, so some background on Salem leading up to the witch trials. Salem, Massachusetts was originally known as Namkeg by the indigenous tribes that inhabited the area. Namkeg was first settled by a British colonist in 1623 by fishermen. 
Namkeag was changed to Salop, Salem following the Great Puritan Migration led by John Winthrop, who became the governor over the area. So very Christian okay. uh, immediately, like the Christians are taking over. I see, I see. From the 1300s to the 1600s, execution of supposed witches had been a craze, and tens of thousands of women were killed in Europe. In Christianity, the Bible teaches that loyal followers of Satan would be gifted with powers to harm others, and thus would become witches. It's <laughs> creepy. Through, though executions on witches had become less popular over the years, this belief system was brought to the United States colonies by voyaging Christians, such as the Puritans, that inhabited Salem. So that's kind of how, like, it began. So the, right. like, idea of witches just didn't come out of, like, nowhere. It did come with, like, the Bible. So, like, these are, like, the first witches. Like, yeah. Like, the first, like... I guess so. Because from what I know, like, there were witches in, like, medieval times, but this right. was, like, the first, like, no. big, like, witch craze. Like, gotcha. everyone was like, oh, my God, witches. Gotcha. So I think this is kind of basically what, like, made witches famous, yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah, like, made it, like, known. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 1689, England's monarchs, William and Mary, waged war against France and the American colonies. This war displaced refugees from New York up to the Quebec area, many of them ending up in the Massachusetts, Massachusetts colonies in Salem. With an abundance of people, Salem's resources were strained, and the rivalry between the wealthy and those who lived off of Salem's agriculture was aggravated. So people are getting real pissed, and this is kind of what's, like, sparking the trials. Right. It's like, everyone's mad at each other, so how do we take out our rage? Okay. Basically. I see. Yes. Following. Reverend Samuel Paris was elected as the first ordained minister of Salem, also in 1689. This was controversial, as Paris was known to be a greedy and mean man. Thus, tensions increased because they, like, did not want this man as their minister. Fair. Because something you should know about this time is, like, the actual political heads don't right. really run anything. It's more of the religious heads because everyone yeah. believes in the religion. Mm -hmm. And they don't like this guy at all. So this man that they all hate is basically running everything. Okay. So the tensions increased, and a lot of the people began believing that their quarrels that they were having were being caused by the devil. Oh, so... You know, just as it happens. Right. I mean, if they're being led by the religious mm -hmm. people... You and, and I are gonna. You and I are gonna get in an argument next year. I'm gonna tell you that it's because of the devil that we're having that oh, argument. So okay. <laughs> like anytime I'm mad at you, I'm gonna be like, it's the devil. The devil. The devil made at me the do Salem it. Salem witch trial. <laughs> so let's talk about the first accusation. Okay. And um, they're not women. These are young, like girls getting accused. Oh, okay. Like children. So, mm -hmm. so in January of 1692. Nine-year-old Betty Paris, daughter of the Reverend, and her 11-year-old cousin, Abigail Williams, begin to have supposed fits. So, like, young girls. Um, those who saw the fits said that the girls would scream, throw things, contort their bodies in odd positions, and mutter incoherent words. So just being children? Like, just... Ba basically. <laughs> having a tantrum, mm -hmm. like, as one child does? <laughs> yeah. The girls also complained, and this is kind of the weird part, is that they complained that their bodies were being pricked and pinched from Both like of them? Um, mm -hmm, by some like unknown source. Both of them saying that is like 
Mm -hmm. creepy. Dr. William Griggs could not find what was afflicting the girls and then blamed it on the supernatural Mm. when he couldn't find a cause. (laughs) The next girl to be afflicted by these fits was 12-year-old Anne Putnam Jr., all three girls had their fits witnessed by Reverend Diodat Lawson, which I love that name. Hey. I'm going to name my child Diodat. Are you? The names That's just good. get better as this story goes on. Yeah, Anne Putnam is like, I feel like I've heard that name a lot of times about Salem Witch Trials. Salem Witch you Trials. You know that game, Town of Salem? Mm-hmm. I have that game. I, I love that yeah, game. Yeah, one of the like default characters is Anne Putnam. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, because it is based on the Salem Witch yeah. Trials. So, all three girls get seen by Reverend Diodat Lawson, who is also a character. I just remembered. He's a character in oh, Town really? of Salem. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun. And he had also been a former minister near the Salem area. When Lawson would preach as a guest in Salem, his speakings would often be interrupted by the girls' outbursts. So, kind of like you said, just like yeah. being kids. And right. Like, Wait, you said one of the their dads was a reverend is it so nine-year-old betty paris is the daughter of reverend samuel paris who's the guy like no one likes oh okay okay the Mm -hmm. one that no okay i'm caught up so magistrates jonathan corwin and john hawthorne begin to implore local officials to do something (laughs) john hawthorne (laughs) that's another one (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) we're just gonna keep calling out the names that we know from this game continue (laughs) began to implore local officials to do something about the girls So finally, the girls were asked to name who was afflicting their bodies with witchcraft. The girls then named Tituba, or Tituba, um, a Caribbean woman enslaved by the Paris family, Sarah Good, a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, an elderly, impoverished woman. So let's talk about each each woman and kind of why they were accused. So all three women were outcasts among the Salem community and almost never attended church with the others. Mm-hmm. So it was all already like you don't attend church, so you must be a witch kind oh, of thing. I like see. they were that was the reason they if were you're outcasts, a horrible person basically. You're not going to church. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tituba um, was said to have told Betty Paris and Abigail Williams stories about sexual encounters with demons, swaying the minds of men, and fortune telling, making her the perfect target for accusation. Wait, so each of the three girls mm-hmm. named these three different women. Is that what it is? So it was more like Anne Putnam named one, which okay. she named Sarah Good. Okay. And then the other two women were named by um, Sarah and Abigail. Oh, okay. So like each girl named mm-hmm. one. Each girl basically named one. But you should also kind of know that like these girls are family members like they right. spend time together so this is definitely a little something sisters that, like, and a cousin right sister no uh one's a cousin one are co- two of them are cousins oh t- one's not related gotcha. she's just another girl gotcha okay but they're all like definitely know each other so it's a little bit hazy of like mm. was this made up or did, did they plan it, this was this planned basically okay So all of the women were then interrogated by the local magistrates on March 1st, 1692. Both Good and Osborne pleaded not guilty, though Tituba did not. In her confession, Tituba said, The devil came to me and bid me serve him, end quote, and claimed that she had signed the book of a tall man with white hair who implored her to destroy the Puritans. All of the women were then promptly sent to jail. 
even <laughs> and they were basically sent to jail just because of Tituba's confession. All so, three of them. Mm-hmm. Good and Osborne like basically like had to go to jail because of that accusation. Yeah. But she wasn't like admitting to mm-hmm. doing it though, was she? Or was she She was. That was like her admittance. Was basically mm-hmm. saying I did like take over the girls with witchcraft and oh. the devil made me do it. Which is another case we talked about. That's the name of an actual case called The Devil Made the Me devil Do It made Case. Oh. Interesting. I talked about that with Jackson. Oh. I love I love Jackson. Great kid. I'm guy. gonna say that forever on this podcast. I love <laughs> I love Jackson so Great much. Great kid. So the next accusation was against Martha Corey, who was unlike the other women as she was a loyal member of the Puritan Church. Corey's accusation concerned the community because if she could be accused, then anyone in the community could be a witch. Because she's a very God-loving woman. Okay. Like, everyone knows that she, like, goes to church every Sunday, is very active in the church. Like, the least person you would expect to be a witch. So she's not like the other Mm -mm. three. She's not like other girls. Then after that, the next person questioned and accused was Good's four-year-old daughter, Dorothy. Aww. Four. Dorothy was extremely nervous and scared throughout questioning, yeah. as a four-year-old would be. <laughs> right. And her timid answers were interpreted as a confession for witchcraft by the, like, grown men that were... Like, the grown like, men said her. the four-year-old was a Was a witch of, because was... her answers were not, like, strong enough. That she, because she was nervous. Bruh. Literally what? It's she's four. Like <laughs> she's four. Like she literally and everything I read, she had no clue what was going on. She didn't even know her mom had been arrested. Well like, yeah, no. She was like basically like, I don't know, like you are scary, like older men. Why do I have to talk to you? And they were like, Ha, you're a witch. Basically. This is why men shouldn't run things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> men shouldn't be in charge. So after Dorothy's um implication dozens of other women were also arrested in suspicion in suspicion of witchcraft in salem and in neighboring towns on march 27 1692 governor william phipps ordered the establishment of a special court of oyer which means to hear and terminer which means to decide on witchcraft cases for suffolk essex and middlesex county mm-hmm. so bridget Bishop was the first person to be tried in front of a grand jury on June 2nd, 1692. Bishop was known to be a town gossip and promiscuous as she often wore dark clothing and costumes. So she basically just wore clothes that people didn't like. And that's why she was promiscuous. Mm, Right. So all you ladies out there, don't Mm. wear things that people don't like. Or you're going to be promiscuous. Or else you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... She's obviously this very promiscuous woman. And when she was asked if she had committed witchcraft, she responded, quote, I am as innocent as the child unborn, end quote. Which is like, why would you say that if children are getting implicated? Like, literally literally saying that a child is innocent, like, means nothing in Mm -hmm. this case. Her testimony was not convincing enough to the jury, and Bishop was hanged on June 10th in what eventually became known as Gallows Hill. So... Mm -hmm didn't give enough good evidence so that's silly so it's basically like if what you say like isn't good enough you're gonna die at this point 
Did the four-year-old die? Um, no. I don't think so. I think she was put in jail, though. Oh, so, okay. So the four-year-old did have to go to jail. The court then adjourned for 20 days to seek advice from respected ministers across the Massachusetts colonies and the New England area on how to further proceed with the trials. Respected minister Cotton Mather composed the collective response from the ministers dated on June 15, 1692. In his letter, Mather makes several suggestions, but most notably implores the jury to not allow spectral evidence, meaning evidence that comes from dreams and visions. So at this point, someone could make an accusation and say, I saw them do it in a dream, and the court would accept it. Oh, that's crazy. And these ministers were like, you can't allow this. This is not viable evidence. Mm -hmm. However, the courts ignored this letter. Oh. And hanged five people in July, five people in August, and eight in September. Jeez. So we're up to, what is that, five plus five plus one plus eight? That's 19 people already? Yeah. So we already have a really high fatality rate just from, like, people. Like, all you had to say was, this person's a witch because I saw it in a dream, and that'd be you'd be fine. That's so weird. So, also, this next person's name. So, we already have Cotton Mather. This guy's first name is Cotton. Right. A character um, in town of Salem. Yeah. Would you like to guess what his father's name is? His father? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I don't know. We have Cotton. His father's name is Increase. Increase? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is, like, in my like, mind, I was like... How do you get increase as a name, first right. of all? Like, is it spelled like... Like incre- increase. Like, you increase a number. That's weird. And then I'm like, how do you get cotton? Like, do you just, like, wake up and you're like, I don't have a name for this baby. Like... <laughs> I got it. You, like, look around. <laughs> I got it, guys. You know how we grow cotton outside? That's the name. That's it. That's the one. That's so funny. So, oh... And Jackson Phillips is actually FaceTiming me right Why now. Why is he FaceTiming you? I don't know, but unfortunately, Jackson, I am going to have to hang up on you because I can't answer your FaceTime right now. So on October 3rd, 1692, Increase Mather, Cotton Mather's father, who was also the then president of Harvard University. Oh. Um, Wait, Harvard was mm-hmm. a thing back then? Harvard's like one of the oldest oh, um, American really? universities. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's old. That's crazy. So he also writes to the courts denouncing the use of spectral evidence. And in his condemnation, he says, quote, it were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. So that like, at least we have one person being like the voice of reason in this Uh of like y'all's evidence is not valid. Your evidence is bad. You're killing people (laughs) for no reason. So. Mather's condemnation overall works for the most part, and Governor William Phipps, whose own wife had been questioned of suspected witchcraft, prohibited any further arrest of witches and had many of the accused witches released. So, and from what I read too, it wasn't necessarily that Mather's like condemnation worked. It was literally just because Phipps' wife like got taken in, and he was like, "Oh, like my wife might die." let's let's stop this now oh okay so once it affected him, so once it affected him it was like oh mm, 
maybe we maybe should we should stop. change. Maybe maybe what we're doing is not good. Oh, I'm I'm glad that that's what it took to. But it's realize. also like that's so superficial. <laughs> like no, like oh my gosh, men are dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So on October 29th, Phipps had replaced the court of Oyer and Terminer with a court uh, with a superior court of judicature. This new court completely banned the use of spectral evidence and thus only condemned three of the 56 um, defendants. And these women were Elizabeth Johnson Jr., Sarah Wardwell, and Mary Post. By May of 1693, Phipps pardoned everyone that was imprisoned under charges of witchcraft, though not everyone was able to escape condemnation. Nineteen people were hanged on Gallows Hill, and five people died while in jail. Mm. And here's the most interesting death of them all. Oh. Giles Corey, mm-hmm. he was husband of Martha Corey, who we had talked yes. about earlier. She was one of the people accused, was killed. The after godly woman, right? The godly okay, woman. Okay, yes. He was killed after being crushed to death with heavy stones after refusing to submit to trial. Crushed so, with heavy stones. Mm-hmm. So he was basically said, I'm not a witch. I'm not going to trial. Like, like I'm just not. I'm just not going to do it. Like, this is dumb. And the people accusing him took him and crushed him with, like, boulders, basically. So to death. it wasn't, like, the, like, people in charge that did it. It was the people that were, like. Literally, like, accused him. It was, as far as I know, like, some of the magistrates, like, were also, like, accusing him and saying, like, you have to come in. But it was mainly, oh, like, the townspeople of, like. That killed That's, him. like, that's not right that you're, like, doing this. You are obviously a witch. We're just going to kill you ourselves. Was Martha alive or she got hung? Um, I actually don't know. I can check that right now, though. I don't know. Martha Corey. Like, if she was, like, around to witness him get No, she was hung. Okay. She was hung. She was one of the people, eight people hung in September. Oh, yes. Okay. Unfortunately. Poor Martha. Mm, Martha. So, also, this guy's, like, wife is dead at this point when he gets crushed. I bet he just, like, gave up at that point. Yeah. Like, he probably was, like, I'm not going there. Like, okay, we're going to kill you. And he's, like... Okay, okay, I'm not going. Like, like, yeah. I mean, I probably would, too, at that he was point. Probably like, like, these if you know, insane. like, if you know your chances are, like, low of escaping, like, you might as well. And also, like, you don't want to be surrounded by these insane people. Exactly. The rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like. No, you have such a I mean, it's point. not much better, like, now, but, you know. And then we have the worst deaths of all. Mm. Within all of the fatalities, two dogs were also <gasps> killed. No. alongside the witches no as they were believed to be linked with the devil stop Two which dogs. everything i read about the dogs it was literally just like the dogs barked a little bit more than usual sus <laughs> when your dog barks a little bit more they they're they've been possessed by they the must. demons oh my gosh but that i read that and i was like are you kidding me? They just barked like, a little too much. They barked a little bit too much. But I was also like, not the dogs. Not like, the dogs. Like, you can kill all the people you want, but not the dogs. <laughs> Real. <laughs> so now we can talk about the aftermath of the trials. Okay. In an effort to restore their good names, some of the people involved, such as Judge Samuel Sewall and accuser Anne Putnam Jr., publicly confessed to error of guilt and asked for forgiveness. And that means, like, they literally were like, 
mm, I, what we said kind of wasn't true. Like we made that up. Like we made we made up those guilty accusations. <gasps> and they asked for forgiveness from those who were affected for their accusations. And I bet they just forgave them. Like they were like, okay, no, really. It, well, eventually, yes. Like a lot of them basically just like went back to church and were like, like you know, Reverend, can I have forgiveness from God? And the Reverend most of the time was like, you have to do this to get the forgiveness. I like would guess that they'd be like, yeah, you're Christian. So yeah, like you're good. (laughs) It was kind of that. It was like, yeah, you're Christian. But it was also like, you know how like in Mm -hmm. Catholicism, like you have to go to like confession to say like, forgive me, Father. And they kind of had to do the same thing where it was like, Reverend, like what can I do for God's forgiveness? Mm. And like, it was like, do this for your community, basically. I see, I see. Also, we have an incoming text from my mom. Oh. Shall we read it? She says, Louie, who is our home dog, must be possessed because of all his howling. And we have a dog that like, if we leave the house, he will just start howling. Really? Mm-hmm. Is it a big dog or a little? No, he's little. He, My dog is little as well. She yaps so much, but yeah. she thinks she's a big dog. So. Louis thinks he's a big dog. Yeah. Too. Louis hates all other dogs, but when he sees another dog, he likes to pretend that he's the bigger one. That's what my dog does. Even though he's little. Like, he is not big whatsoever. That's exactly my dog. So, going forward, um, families who lost loved ones in the witch trials also campaigned for their innocence and filed petitions to the courts to have their accusations formally reversed. However, most of the reversals were only for those who had been implicated but not hanged. Mm -hmm. So, kind of like these families are basically like, our reputations are gone. What can we do to like... Mm -hmm make our reputations better and that was all they could do was like write to the courts and say like can you please reverse this like they didn't do it and most of the time they like would their letters would get ignored so unfortunately like not everyone was able to get you know a reversal but yeah yeah it was really unfortunate oh in 1702 The Massachusetts courts named the Salem witch trials as unlawful, and in 1711, the colony passed a bill restoring the good names of those accused and paid 600 pounds in restorations to their heirs and families. This is when pounds were still used in the United States. The state of Massachusetts, however, did not formally apologize for the trials until 1957. Dude. That's so a lot later. <laughs> that's a lot later. Like they did not actually take like responsibility no, to that. That's for a, a long lot time. later. Memorials for those those accused were placed all over Salem by families following the trials. In 1992, an official memorial for the trial's 300th anniversary was enacted in Salem, as well as a memorial park was built. So, the Salem Witch Child has been depicted in several forms of media, such as the video game Town of Salem. Yes. Um, but most game. famous, the most famous example is The Crucible by Arthur Miller. Um, do you know about The Crucible, the play? Yes, I do. I was going to say, we're theater kids. We should know about yeah, this. I've heard, I've heard of it, and I think it was done at my theater. I don't think I've ever actually like read it. I don't, I don't think I've seen it, but mm-hmm. I know it was done at my theater. Mm-hmm. And 
I know my friend was in it, but mm-hmm. I didn't. See, I didn't get to see it. So, so it's about the Salem witch trials, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it was used as an allegory. Um, it was written by Arthur Miller, um, and it was written in 1953, and was used as an allegory as for the anti-communist McCarthyism and the similar hysteria and accusations that were sweeping the nation at the time. So Arthur Miller basically saw this was like the time when the Cold War was starting. Everyone was like, you're a communist. No, you're a communist. And so he saw that and was like, this has basically already happened. Like, this happened with the Salem witch trials. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So he used the setting of the Salem witch trials as like a statement against McCarthyism or like anti-McCarthyism and communism and like, you can't like unlawfully like say like you're a communist as much as you can't unlawfully say like you're a witch basically other popular works inspired by the trials include hocus pocus um the autopsy of jane doe have you ever seen that movie i haven't it's this horror movie on netflix and i don't think i've ever finished it like that is one of these <gasps> scariest horror i'm movies. not a horror movie i can't i am a horror and movie person but that movie so no spoilers but the premise is is um this girl gets brought in to like have an autopsy done they like find her at a crime scene and it turns out her body is like this super well-preserved body of like a witch from the salem witch trials Ah. And the reason she's so well-preserved is because she's basically still alive. But, like, she put a curse on herself to, like, make her seem dead. And so all this, like, bad stuff starts happening throughout, like, her entire autopsy, basically. Like, she's this, like, cursed body. That's... It's literally one of the most terrifying movies i've ever seen and i haven't even seen all of it like i can't i've never i can't do any type of horror or anything really i just i will not be able to sleep Mm. like i don't know why i wish i could there are some where like i'm like that like i'm most like like scream and stuff like i'm really good with and like slasher films but like gory things i can things that could happen to me things that could happen to me i'm like "Mm -mm, absolutely not um other um things inspired have been episodes of scooby-doo oh yeah episodes of sabrina the teenage witch and episodes of the simpsons the simpsons which i was bart simpson for halloween you were i was i remember that and i think i've decided that i'm gonna be eric cartman from south park this (gasps) coming year stop that's so like i think i'm gonna do like a new like cartoon like person that's actually so funny so today Salem is a famous tourist spot for people to come and learn about the infamous witch trials. Mm -hmm. And many parts of Salem are actually very haunted today um, and haunted by like some of the women that were like hanged in the trials. For no reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe it. The Salem Witch Museum and the Peabody Essex Museum both house original court documents, exhibitions and other reclaimings of the trial. And that is the story of the Salem witch trials. It's so creepy. I like um, I've like known about them, but mm-hmm. like I, not in detail. Not in detail. Yeah. So I've always had like a little like little personal connections and stuff to all these stories. So my personal connection to this story is I was that kid growing up that like loved the you know like the scary stories to tell in the dark books. I think I know what you're. I talking was about. like obsessed with those, and I was obsessed with like Ouija boards and like. You know the show like BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yes, like I, I watched loved that those. all the time. And so I remember the first sp- one of the first speeches I ever gave in elementary school. They were like, "You have to research a historical topic and then tell us about it." And I, my 
picked the Salem witch trials. Oh, and then, yeah. And then I went on a Boston trip in eighth grade and they said they were going to take us to Salem. And then they told us we ran out of time and never took us. And I was so angry because I wanted to go to Salem so bad to like go see all the witches and everything. You don't get to just go to Boston all the time. Mm -mm. So I hoped I'm going to go to Salem one day. One day. One day I'm going to get there. That's yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. it's a lot so do you have any final comments before we move on to our next story um that men suck men suck <laughs> basically yeah men shouldn't be in charge well this next story is not much better oh so joy. i've given you some hints um i will tell you this story happened 100 years earlier but also in the u.s colonies okay um, do you want to take any wild stab in the dark at what it possibly could be? You said a hundred years later? Earlier. Earlier. Mm-hmm. Fifteen. The fifteen hundreds. Christopher Columbus. Was that, was that even- You're actually kind of close. <laughs> was that even in the fifteen hundreds? Mm-hmm. Oh. I think it might have been, like, the fourteen hundreds, but you're, like, oh. in the same time. Like, that all happened mm. kind of the same time in my mind. Yeah. Um, but yes, this does, this does deal with like exploration and like finding new lands. Is it the first, the Indians that discovered America that didn't get credit because Christopher Columbus? Mm -mm. (laughs) So I'd actually be surprised if you knew this story, but your second story for today is the disappearance of the Roanoke colony. Hmm. Um, sources includes Budsfeed Unsolved, (laughs) which we just talked about. Right. Um, Encyclopedia Britannica, HistoryChannel.com, Discovery Magazine, Mental Floss, and uh, once again, our favorite, Wikipedia. Love love her. I get, like, I've told some of my professors that, like, I use Wikipedia in this show, and they're like, why? Like, it's not a current source, and I'm like, it's not for class. It's not. It's not for class, and also I'm using multiple sources. It's not like Wikipedia is my only source. And also some of it, it, like, is true like you can't really lie about everything yes and i do like i've said this before i do like cross-examine like whatever i find on wikipedia like i'm not just gonna say like was this true like i if i have a like question about it like i will actually go online and look it up but most of the time it's factual yeah although there have been like times where i'll look at articles and like names will be like switched or like it'll say like someone's 900 years old and i'm like that's not true and then Wik- and Wikipedia will ask me for, like, $5 to, like, keep Wikipedia alive. Have you ever gotten that notification from Wikipedia? No. They're like, please donate $5 now because Stop. we're, like, th- our website's going to die soon. We're dying. Like, it's like, everyone uses Wikipedia. I will not be the one person to donate, like, $5 to keep this website afloat. Yeah. But That's let's... That's real. I'm, I would not... I would never <laughs> donate... I'm sorry. I love you, Wikipedia, and I use you all the time, but I'm not going to donate $5 to you, especially when, like, right. anyone can co- go on and change your information. So. Right. Literally. Wait, what uh, thing is this on? <laughs> what What do you mean? What radio channel? Is this like? is KTCU Radio 88.7. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> to anyone listening right now, that is the radio station you are listening to right now. Just letting you know. I just wanted to let y'all know. A <laughs> okay, so let's talk about our background. The Outer Banks of North Carolina were first explored in 1524 by Florentine explorer Giovanni da Verrazzano. Okay. What a name. What a name. 
and he was under the employment of King Francis I of France. Verrazano mistook the islands as an isthmus in the Pacific Ocean and concluded that he found what could be a potential shortcut to China. You know, just like... Like in... The- so he got to these islands and he couldn't see the mainland. Right. So he thought what the islands were was this like opening between the Americas that he could just get to and go to China. Okay. Which is not how it works. So, no, wrong. And he basically like just got barely close enough to see the islands, but didn't want to get closer. Okay. He just saw the islands and goes, we can go to China now, guys. And let's, he, let's go to China. And he actually went back and reported this to King Francis of Spain, of, um, or King Francis of France. And the king basically told him like, you're an idiot, like, and rejected the evidence that he, like, gave, which, like, fair, because it doesn't make sense of, like, why the Americas would just have this, like, hole. Uh-huh. So, okay. um, the islands were explored several more times after Verrazano's initial discovery, but Sir Walter Raleigh was issued a colonization charter by Queen Elizabeth I on March 25th, 1584. The Queen declared that Raleigh had to establish a colony by 1591 and was to, quote, discover, search, find out, and view such remote heathen and barbarous lands, countries, and territories to have, hold, occupy, and enjoy, end quote. Though the charter was under Raleigh's control, Raleigh was forbidden to leave the Queen's side, and thus he had to employ explorers Philip Amdas and Arthur Barlow to capture the mission, or to captain the mission. Amdas and Barlow's ships departed from England on April 27, 1584, and made landfall on July 13th, just north of the Hatterask Island. While surveying the region, the charter made contact with the if I say this wrong, forgive me, but this is a big word. <laughs> also, Mokomuk natives. Wingina, their leader, welcomed the colonists and even sent two natives, Manteo and Wanchis, back with the colonists to England. So they're on, off to a really great start. Like, the natives are welcoming them. Right. Like, you know, everything seems good. Okay. And when Raleigh reports the expedition findings to Queen Elizabeth, she was so impressed that she knighted Raleigh and declared that the region be named Virginia in reference to her being the Virgin Queen. And he also gave permission for a colony to be built on Roanoke Island, which was like the main island they found that the natives were living on and was like going to be the easiest to colonize because it was the most agriculturally healthy. Like, they were growing tons of plants on here. So they were like, this is going to be our home now. Okay, right. So let's talk about the establishment of the first colony. Okay. After acquiring enough money from investors to fund his colony, the expedition departed with a fleet of seven ships on April 9th, 1585, from England, led by Sir Richard Greenfield, Grenfield, Grenville, I don't know why I was saying it like that, in place of Raleigh, who had to once again stay behind Mm because he's basically forbidden to leave England. And what I was looking up about that, it was like not because he had done anything. It was literally just because the queen like valued him and his information so much that she was like, you can just never leave. (laughs) Basically. 
Yeah. It's like, you know, you can send people out to get this information and we'll credit you for it. But like you, but like you, you can't, you can't. <laughs> no, you stay here. <laughs> so only men went on this voyage. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And we already know that there's going to be some issues. We already discussed this. Um, and, of course, the voyage was extremely difficult and ended in the ship named Tiger striking a shoal near Wokokon Island and ruining basically almost all of their food supplies. Oh, you know. And, and then we're all running it. So. I looked up, like, what shoals are. Right. And it's, like... A sandbar, basically, like, sticking out of the water. Yeah. And you can see them. So it wasn't like it would just, like, came up. It was literally, like, you can see them popping up. And they just just said, we can go over it. Like, we can make it. We can make it. (laughs) Which, like, reminded me of, like, all men who have, like, trucks. And they're, like... That's exactly what I was just thinking. Like, Like, they're, like, "Uh, we can get over it. And then they, like, get stuck. uh Uh-huh. Basically. Yeah. Or they're, like leaving like last minute and <laughs> men are like oh we can make it uh, we, we can make time. we can make it and they're like 30 minutes late like because yeah, they like crashed and like fell and- <laughs> they- <laughs> yeah. so with low supplies only a hundred people were delegated to stay with appointed governor ralph lane because the spanish had been attacking english ships in the area a resupply mission took a while to be arranged and thus the colony would have to rely on the kindness of the natives on roanoke island during their time they also built a fort to give them shelter and as we know like these natives are being very kind to them so it wasn't like out of the question that like they would take them in and say like here we'll give you some of our food we have plenty of it because we're great farmers mm-hmm. and the awesome are also, Mokomuk were able to sustain the colonists until winter of 1585. Their generosity eventually ran out, though, as the colonists began to abuse the kindness of Wingina's people, basically being like, it's our food now. Actually, like, you can't I saw have this it. coming. I, I knew it. After learning about an attack that would be mounted against them, the colonists killed Wingina and other natives, and mounted uh, Wingina's head on a spike outside of their fort. Oh, no. That's so, th- so the natives were basically like, we need these people to be gone. And somehow the colonists heard about it and were like, nope, us first. Literally Christopher Columbus Corps. Yeah. Like, taking credit for... Like, explorer being bad, terrible people Corps. Yeah. Like... It's... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they, like, mounted the head on the spike to be like none of look you what we did. like look what we did like don't come mess with us like we will do this to you oh my gosh that's horrifying so the colonists were then able to make contact with sir francis drake who was another famous explorer and his fleet which were returning to england following their successful expeditions in santo domingo cartagena and saint augustine After Ralph Lane was able to convince the colonists to evacuate Roanoke, the group left the island, though a few men did stay behind to uphold the fort. Though their trip was not... Though their their trip was not altogether a loss, though, as the group was able to introduce tobacco, maize, which is corn, and potatoes to England. And England did not have those before we found the Americas. Okay. And, uh, but I also thought about that and I was like, should we have introduced potatoes? Because that's what caused the Irish potato famine. <gasps> True. 
If we didn't give them potatoes, then they wouldn't have had the famine. There was no famine to be made. Although maybe there just, like, would have been a famine anyway. Of something that wasn't Oh, potatoes. something. Yeah. So now let's talk about the second Roanoke colony. Okay. So they weren't successful with the first one, but they said, eh, let's do it again. We'll try again. We, right. we can do it this time, right? So the first one, they brought the potatoes and the tobacco. Yeah, that's what they brought back. But that was mainly brought um by sir francis drake and like his team like they were the successful ones like they weren't working together they weren't working together but so it's like a third party it was kind of like a third party yeah but the natives but the roanoke people were kind of able to be like yeah we were there too oh and they like weren't but like neither of them did anything you know no it was the natives it was it was the natives that they stole from and murdered basically okay so Raleigh was eventually persuaded. He's the guy who had to stay back in England. He was persuaded okay. to make another charter. And I'm like, oh. how do you get persuaded? Like, you're probably losing money. Probably. And you don't even get to go on these expeditions. Right. So why you are you making observe. more of them? So he was persuaded to make another charter to Virginia by some men who were on the last voyage. Which I'm also like, y'all were on the last voyage and that went wrong and you're trying to do it again? Yeah. So... It was known that travel to Roanoke would be dangerous due to the hostile native relations, so the group chose to go to Chesapeake Bay, where harboring would be much easier because there were no shoals, and the large river mouths would provide deeper passage into the mainland, and they thought once again that these rivers could possibly connect to the Pacific Ocean and get them to China. That was their whole goal at the time, was to make, like, faster passage to China. I just don't know what's going through their heads Mm-mm. it's just not how it works Mm-mm. china's far yeah but at this point i'm also like is that really a faster method i guess it's more like straight like you just have to go from england and if they thought like you could get yeah. all the way through you just go straight because the way they were going was what you had to go down through the mediterranean mm-hmm. and then down through the red and then through the indian ocean and basically go yeah. completely under india and then get to china yeah I completely. So that's how they were doing it. I think that's how they were doing it. Oh, so they were like just going the complete other way. Mm-hmm. That's. What, I think that was like the reason they started going is because just to see. Because a rid like when Christopher Columbus went and Christopher Columbus wasn't actually the first person to discover the Americas. No, he was not. He was not. But the reason they started going through the Atlantic that way is because they didn't know that there was land there. They knew that the earth was round, so what they assumed was is if they just kept going, they would make China from a straight line. And then okay. or they would actually go to India. That the time they were looking to go to India. And that's why Native Americans were called Indians, is because when they ran into the Americas, they assumed, Oh, we're in India. Yeah. Okay. So that's where the term like Indians came from for Native Americans, because they assumed they were, that they Indians. were Indians. Okay. So Raleigh gets convinced to make another charter. They start going to Chesapeake Bay. So on May 8th, 1587, the charter departs from England with 115 people, this time including women and children, along with all the men. Why? So appointed mayor John White led the group, and he came with his wife. So it was basically like the crew members and their wives and children. Like they didn't want to leave them behind in England. Okay, so take them on this risky journey instead. (laughs) Yeah. So, John White led the group along with his wife and their pregnant daughter, Eleanor, and her husband, Anias Dare. Okay. Which, like, also, once again, what a name. So, instead of, 
leaving the pregnant woman safe on land. Who's your daughter? It's not even your wife. It's your right, daughter. Right, your daughter. No, let's take her where she could possibly drown. She could possibly, mm-hmm. like, yep. get hurt in some fashion. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That's a better option. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, Simon Fernandez piloted this mission, and he was actually who he had actually piloted the last expedition as well. Mm -hmm. The group's initial plan was to stop at Roanoke Island for a short time, just to touch base with the men that stayed behind from the first expedition. Once they landed, however, Fernandez made it clear that he would not bring the group to Chesapeake Bay, though accounts are mostly unclear on why. So some believe that he was just going to leave them there because he wanted to take the ships and go south to go join the Spanish in their expeditions Mm -hmm. because that was the time when they thought there was gold in South America. So he wanted to get in on the gold. Um, Others believe, though, that he knew that if they went up to Chesapeake, the native tribes in Chesapeake were much more hostile than the Roanoke ones and thought that they wouldn't be able to survive. So those are the two accounts that kind of conflict with each other on why. But... Like, that was what basically, like, people wrote down at the time was, like, the reason why. Okay. So, because he was basically going to leave him there, the group was forced to set up settlements in Roanoke. The group's landing in Roanoke was also very unsettling because instead of being greeted by the remaining men from the last expedition, they found the island deserted with only one single human skeleton. Just kind of oh, there. Just chilling. A few days later, a colonist named George Howe was murdered by natives while fishing for crabs. Okay. Which I'm like, obviously, like, I was rooting for the natives. And I don't, like, I'm not saying, like, this guy's death was, like, bad or anything. Right. But also, could you imagine, like, you're just having a calm day fishing for crabs, and then you just get killed. Was he on their land? Is that why? They're all on their land. Like, this is not their land. Oh, so he, yeah. Okay. Then I see the reasoning. Yeah. But... I mean, these people have every right to be pissed. Like, the last time they were in Roanoke, like, they all got murdered for the most part, so. Right. So, Manteo, who was the native that they brought back to England that I discussed earlier, Uh had returned now with the colonists. And he was able to tell the colonists, um, after speaking with the natives, that the disappeared men and how were all killed by Roanoke natives. So, once relations were eventually established with once were reestablished with the Osomo, uh, I still like, I have to say this so slowly every time I say it, the Osomokomuk and the other local tribes, the communication was mostly friendly, which was surprising. Mm. However, the colonists were promptly assured that they would be given no food um, and they would have to fend for themselves. So the natives were like, we'll be nice to you but we're not giving you anything because you abused that power last time, which I'm like, fair, like fair. So, um, some colonists had also ambushed a local Roanoke village, um, when, and when they came, it had recently been abandoned, and they went there in hopes of avenging, avenging George Howe's death, but when they got there, they came upon a bunch of innocent Croatoan natives from the neighboring island of Croatoan, who had gone to the village to gather any leftover food, but the colonists thought they were the Roanoke, so they just killed all of them. Oh. Mm-hmm. My goodness. So, these people are terrible. They, oh. No. On August 8th, 1587, Eleanor Dare gives birth to a daughter. So, she was, the the pre- daughter? she was the pregnant okay. one. 
This daughter is named Virginia in honor of the land and was baptized on August 24th. <coughs> Excuse me. Shortly after this, Mayor John White was persuaded by his family and the other colonists to return to England to explain to the Queen their situation and ask for aid. White was very reluctant to do this as he did not want to leave behind his family, mm -hmm. though he did, and he left with a small fleet on August 27, 1587. So now let's talk about the colony's disappearance, shall we? Okay. Let's see. Um... But Wait, yeah, so the f people he brought with him were just left there. Yeah, but not like they told him to leave. He wasn't leaving because he wanted to. They oh. basically told him like, we're having a very hard time fending for ourselves. Like they could, they didn't know like how to farm very well. Why did they agree to go? As opposed to basically because the queen was like, I want more land. Okay. And you do what the queen says at right. that time. So it was like you need to go colonize this and make it my own land so then I have more land to rule over sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Just Okay. Like, it wasn't for any reason other than the queen wanted more land. Was this guy planning on going back to get them? Yes. Okay. He wasn't just going to leave them there, but he was going to go to the queen and say, hey, we need food. We need more people to help us. Can we have them? And then was going to bring them back. Okay. So... <clears throat> Excuse me. After White returned to England, he was granted a fleet of six ships to return with him to Roanoke. Though their voyage, voyage was delayed by the Anglo-Spanish War, which was taking place at the time. By the time the voyage was able to make the full travel to Roanoke, White had spent three years away from the island and did not step foot on it again until August 18th, which was his granddaughter's third birthday. Okay. When walking towards the settlement, fresh footmarks were found, though it could not be determined whose they were and where they were, like, going. They kind of went off after a while. Yeah. Then once White entered the settlement, he found no one, and the entire area was empty. Everyone, including his wife, daughter, and granddaughter, had vanished. Just completely. What? And there were no bodies. They were just gone. So he never saw them. He never saw them again. Oh. So the area where the settlement once like where the settlement once had been had also mostly vanished. The houses had been taken down. It appeared that the group had packed up their belongings and left days or weeks prior and there was just like remnants of things like so maybe how, some like pots here and there. How long was he gone like he left three with, years he was gone for three years so by like him leaving and coming back it mm -hmm. had been three it years. had been three years okay but the evidence that they saw like appeared that they had left like recently yeah not like okay. the day he had gotten there like it had definitely been a couple days but it they were had been there recently okay so <coughs> sorry i have like a tickle in my throat <laughs> while searching for the group White um, came upon the letters C-R-O carved into a tree. Then he found the word Croatoan carved into a fence post. And this is, like, what makes this, like, a famous case. Is like, people are still analyzing these words, like, oh. to this day. Wow. Um, 
White was relieved as he believed that this was a clue that the group had left as they had traveled to the neighboring Croatoan island. So mm-hmm. Croatoan wasn't this like random word, but right. So he wanted to make the journey to Croatoan and he attempted to do it, but a violent storm forced him to return to England, never knowing what happened to his family or the other colonists. What? So he was just completely unable to get there and never knew. Like so he, he died. never went. He never went again, and he died, like, never knowing, like, what happened to his wife and, like, kids or anything. So nobody knows. No one knows. So let's talk about the theories. Okay, yeah. Um, so one of the most popular theories regarding the colonists' disappearance is that they integrated with the local natives. Many historians believe from the colonists that the colonists sought help from nearby Croatoan people, who were eventually known as the... Um, Heteris tribe. Explorer John Lawson wrote in his 1709 book called A Voyage to Carolina that the Hatteras people spoke to him of their ancestors and that some of them were white. So like the like natives spoke that they had like white ancestors. Oh. Another theory suggests that the Roanoke people were able to survive with the natives and joined the Jamestown colonists. In 1608, Captain John Smith, who was the John Smith that was, like, new Pocahontas. Yeah, yeah. um, He reports seeing people, seeing Native people dressed in European clothing, along with Natives who had blonde hair and paler skin. Mm. However... William Strachkey, who also lived in Jamestown, suggested that the Powhatan tribe local to the area had killed the Roanoke colonists and had perhaps taken some prisoners, thus explaining the clothes and the European features on the natives. So they could have, like, taken the women, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, And while the assimilation theory is very positive, the annihilation theories are not. So... Many historians believe that the Roanoke colonists were killed by either a New World virus, so a virus that the natives had that they had never been introduced to, mm-hmm. um, that or the local native people killed them, or they just died due to a lack of their own survival skills. Mm-hmm. However, due to a lack of bodies on the island, death seems somewhat improbable unless their bodies were somehow moved after their deaths, which there's not a lot of evidence for that either. True. Many others, like my dad, <laughs> believe that the Roanoke colonists were abducted by aliens. Oh. So, and that explains the lack of bodies. So those who believe this um, believe that the word Croatoan was left on the island and it was meant to throw off anyone who came looking for them um, as they were forced off the island in haste by aliens, never to be seen again. See, the hard part is you don't know, like, like, they all could Mm -hmm. be true. They all could be true. (laughs) So there are a lot of articles right now coming out that are trying to say that this disappearance has been solved pretty much so a lot of archaeologists are still like going on the island today and they found like pots that have just been like left and all these things um and most historians think that the like native like assimilation is the most prom like probable yeah that they like just went with these people that's what i'm guessing which 
honestly is what I believe as well. That's like, kind of what I believe because it also make it makes sense for like the, I guess the like predominantly paler like mm-hmm. people or the darker people like it just it makes it make sense it makes it like why they have those european features right blonde hair pale skin why they have the european clothes Uh uh-huh um it just kind of makes it make sense Mm -hmm. and if they died there would have been evidence of death somewhere that someone Mm would have found someone would have found like that's the weirdest thing is there's no bodies so like if they were killed where are the bodies Mm -hmm. because they have like they've also looked at like croatoan island to see if like are there burial sites and there's no burial sites so it's not like unless they were like maybe thrown in the ocean and i bet there's so many people though that have like dug up like stuff or like tried to find Mm -hmm. these tried to find yeah like they have like they've been searching for years exactly so that's why like Mm -hmm. it's like there's no way that they like just yeah died if they were in the ocean wouldn't you see them if they were because don't am i making this up or do they float like it, they eventually sink. Like, the bones will oh, sink. Oh, And they right. can also weigh down the bodies with, like, rocks and stuff. True, true, true. But, yeah, I don't know. It just makes more sense if they, like, somehow convince the mm-hmm. natives to, like, let them mm-hmm. join them. Yeah, I agree. So, most popular depictions um, include American Horror Story Roanoke, which is yeah. a season of American Horror Story, which... I've, like, I knew about the Roanoke story before, like, I had seen American Horror Story Roanoke, but I don't really see the connection with, like, I Roanoke. I didn't see it. The in American that, in, like Because have you seen that series, or the like, that season of... I haven't. But the season is, like, it has involvement with, like, Native Americans. Lady Gaga is in that season. Oh, really? Yeah, she's in Hotel and she's in Roanoke. Um, Aw. Um, Kathy Bates. Aw. I love Kathy Bates. So She's fun. my favorite actress. That's precious. Um... And then, of course, BuzzFeed Unsolved, which I got a lot of information from. Yeah. So I don't have any strong personal connection to this specific case, but right. I just think it's so interesting. Like, I would love to... All these unsolved cases, I'm like, can someone just solve them? Because I want to know. <laughs> I don't like being, like, left in the dark. Yeah, there, there needs to be a solution. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> we just pretend that... Can like, we all... Yeah, let's all just, like, in our minds have one like collective they did answer. join them. They did they did. Join, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but that is the story of the disappearance of the Roanoke colony. Ooh la la. Do you have any final questions or comments that you would like to add? I just still don't understand why they even brought the wives and children. Yeah. I mean, I guess to make a colony, like, you in your mind, you assume, like, like if everything goes right, we can, like... My family's gonna live Our here. family's gonna live, and, like, we can repopulate and everything, yeah. but... But, like, I would have been, like, let's discover it, and then let's go back and get them and come back. You that know? that too like i think i would have established like at least a good base camp before. right so yeah i just think that's I so agree. dumb that they and i just think it's dumb that they went back like everything went wrong the first time why would yeah, you they went twice. do it again <laughs> and this time with their wives and children and it was like, the same guy organizing it each time like you would yeah. think to have like a new guy true if it failed the first time it seems like the queen would be like hey you're not doing this again exactly and it was, like, Queen Elizabeth I, like, one of the most hard-headed queens yeah. of, like, and the most sensible queens. Like, she right. did not take any BS from anyone, so. That's so funny. But, as always, um, you are officially a member of the club that is Club Crime. Yay! And to all my listeners, please join us next week for another true crime story where we have another special guest joining us. And this has been Club Crime. Crime.